Pastor Keith and I are preaching uh, through the spring and summer a sequence of series on uh, Peter, then Paul, Stephen, and Philip, the early and great ministers of our church. And we'll talk about their message, who they are as a minister, what their methods are, and what the method of the church is, and what their mission is. Now, last week, Pastor Keith spoke to you about the message of Peter, focusing around that speech he gave at Pentecost and some other times. And, and here's what Peter's ministry brings in. It changes the age. See, the age that Peter came into was an age in which temple sacrifice and temple worship was the center of the religion. It was a time where the Jewish laws were clearly easily seen and they were to be followed. And that was the way you are to show your obedience to God. But the new age at Pentecost that came in is an age that begins when the Holy Spirit blows across Jerusalem. And it announces through Peter and the other disciples that now, while there was a chosen people, now all are the chosen people. While there was a time when the word was restricted from some, God speaks to all, God cleanses all, and God values all through the Holy Spirit. Now that is what walks us to the two scriptures that Keith is going to use today to illuminate the message. And, and, and we're going to look first at kind of the end of that Pentecost speech in Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 39. Now we have those Bibles in the pews, uh, if you didn't bring yours with us, and remind yourself that if you have a friend or know somebody that needs a Bible, that one's there to take. Give it to them as part of your ministry. Um, as for now, let's dive into it. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 39. This is Peter speaking. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, and your children, and for all who are far, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And our second scripture comes from a little bit later in his ministry, when the Lord is making something very clear to Peter. Read along with me. It's in Acts chapter 10, verse 9 through and following, and see what the Lord is speaking to Peter, and through him to us. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, and he wanted something to eat while the meal was being prepared, and he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being brought, let down to earth by its four corners. It contains all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, replied Peter. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God this day. Embrace it, allow it to roll over your soul and be illuminated by your pastor as he speaks today. And so I ask that you take a moment right now Will you join with me in praying for your pastor, Keith, as he prepares to preach the word of God? Oh, Lord, our God, 
as Keith comes to stand behind this pulpit, we ask, Lord, that you anoint him with the spirit of all those that have preceded him. We ask that you give him the power and strength of Peter and Paul, of Philip and Stephen. We ask that you anoint him with your Holy Spirit that stands above all of them. Give him your heart so that as he speaks, your word might ring through him. Let it not be bent by the thoughts of our own minds, but let it be pure and true and come from you. Lord, we pray as we preach each week that all that we do contributes to the building of your kingdom, that all that we say might not just be heard by persons that are gathered here, but that we truly might hear and that we might, through the living of our lives, the doing of our days, make that great day that by your strong hand comes when every knee shall bow and every tongue in heaven and earth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To that goal, Lord, we endeavor. Bless Pastor Keith this morning. Amen. Good morning. Peter's mission is a simple mission. And it's directly connected to his message because every good message must have a good mission. Otherwise, it's not worth anything. And the message of Peter was that Jesus had come and there was a new age, there was a new day, and the gospel was for forgiveness of sins and for relationship with God. And the mission that Peter now begins is to take this promise, this message in these last days beyond the boundaries, beyond where it had gone before. Now, what boundaries? I want to ask you this question if I try to help you understand the boundaries. Uh, How many of you have a favorite child? Okay, let me ask it like this. How many of you are a favorite child? Right? How many of you are the oldest favorite child? Yeah, so let me tell you something. When you have a, an oldest child who thinks they're the favorite, it no longer becomes the two parents against the, the kids. It's the three of you, right, against everyone else. I, we got three kids in my house, and each one of them, we, you know, we do the whole, well, you're, you're all our favorite. You ever do that one, right? You do the whole, well, yeah, you're all my favorite. Well, we, I don't do that. I used to do that, but now I decided, no, I'm just going to mess them a little bit. So I'll tell them in front of the other two, or the other, we have three. So I'll say, oh, yeah, you're my favorite. You know, the other one's like, what? I'm like, well, if you were better, then maybe you'd be the favorite. <laughs> It's good to have ambition. And and it works pretty well until it's the oldest that becomes the favorite for the day. Because when she becomes the favorite, she likes to say, all right, that means I can lay the smack down on the other two, right? Now, of course, I love all my kids the same. Don't, you know, put that on Facebook or something like that, because I'm sure you all do that. But the Israelites had this complex going on. They were the oldest child and the favorite child, okay? That's how they really acted. That's how they really operated. Because, you know, God had called the Israelites into this special relationship with himself to which, you know, it all began with Abram when God called him. He says, I'm going to turn you into a great nation. And through you, all the peoples of the world will become blessed. Now, that's the covenant that God makes with Abram, right? But the Israelites leave out a significant portion of that covenant in the way that they live it out. See, God made the covenant with with Israel so that the world would be blessed. And ultimately, that's fulfilled in Peter's message, the fact that Jesus Christ has come. And that's the blessing for the whole world. The blessing is that God sent his son, that whoever would believe in his son could be forgiven and have life everlasting. 
But there were boundaries associated with this covenant because the Israelites, again, believed that they were the favorite child. And because they were the oldest favorite child, they tended to draw pretty solid boundaries around other people besides themselves, including our boy Peter. But now that this gospel message has come, I love how Peter stands before the people and he says, this message is for you and your children and and those who are far off, all whom the Lord will come. Now, who was Peter speaking to at that point in time? He was speaking to people who had come from all over the region. He wasn't just speaking to the religious group. He wasn't just speaking to people who were just like him. He was speaking to all those who'd come into the city, and he was telling them that this message is for all of you. So Peter's mission simply is this, to take the boundaries and erase them when it comes to the gospel. So there were, I think, three clear boundaries associated with the gospel initially with the church. There was this national boundary that existed because the Israelites, again, as the oldest child, believed that it was all about them and that God's promise had nothing to do with others who were not a part of their national association. There were religious boundaries. And when I say religious, I don't mean what is your religion. I mean religious boundaries in terms of how they lived out their religion, how they practiced their religion. If they, if they encountered a person who didn't practice their religion the same way, there was a boundary there. There was a hierarchy there. There were, uh, you know, favorites in terms of how you practiced your religion. And there were certainly cultural boundaries at work ways that people communicated, ways that they interacted with their families, ways that they lived their lives. And these were all boundaries. And Peter had come to say these boundaries no longer mean anything because Jesus does not draw circles around individuals. Now, this vision that Peter has a short time later takes it a step further. You see, this vision was a a picture given from God of what God's original intent of that covenant was that God made with Israel. That all the peoples of the world would be blessed. And Peter's mission was to bring the gospel to the outcast, to the forgotten, and to the formerly disqualified. And in Peter's days, that was a lot of people. See, any non-Jew was thought of, even by some of the early Christians, to be outside of the the love of God, outside of the gospel, unless, of course, they first converted to become Jewish and followed all of the Jewish laws, all of the Jewish cultures, and all of the Jewish uh, institutional practices. So what was happening was this. In the early church, Jewish Christians would accept non-Jewish Christians into their community, provided that they became exactly like the Jewish Christians. Sound a little familiar? Forget about the Jewish thing for a second. What if I were to say something like this? Christians would accept non-Christians into their community, provided that they became exactly like the Christians. We'll get back to that in a minute. See, God gave Peter a vision in which he showed Peter all of the animals that a Jew was forbidden to eat. And then then a voice came to Peter and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And when Peter protested, responding that he had never eaten anything unclean, The voice then proclaimed, and I love this voice and its proclamation, Do not call anything unclean that I have made clean. What this means is that for those whom God has accepted, no human being should deny. Now, what boundaries 
existed in the early church that still exists today? What boundaries do we put around the gospel? And who do we think is beyond God's call to repentance and love and community? You know, I don't know that today it's as much about national boundaries in, in this world that we live in where we've, you know, it's a smaller world than it was back then. But there are still some boundaries, I believe, that we face when it comes to our mission to preach the gospel. <clears throat> and I'd like to share just a few of them with you, and maybe you can relate to them. I think the first, the first boundary I want to talk about is a, what I'm going to call a behavioral boundary. Now, I don't mean behavioral in terms of, like, moralistic, uh, you know, behavior. I mean behavior in terms of things that human beings do. <clears throat> there are certain things I think that human beings can do, not sinful, of course, that Christians look at necessarily, or maybe, in, and look at and say, well, that, those aren't things that, that, that people in church should do. So therefore, that becomes a boundary. Let me give you an example. We were at a, a summer game staff retreat on Friday, and uh, we were meeting together with all of the, the young people. And one of the pastors that helped put this event on was, uh, she's from the South. She's from Tennessee. And she was talking about how uh, in Tennessee, there are certain boundaries around behaviors that, that the church would consider scandalous. And so we talked about some of those behaviors, and one of the behaviors was uh, playing cards. So, uh, you know, I was going to go downstairs on Tuesday in the Carnegie Center down to the card players down there and inform them all they needed to cease and desist right now because, you know, Jesus wouldn't approve of that, right? <laughs> you know, now I've been down there a few times. I don't see, like, large stacks of money or people taking their clothes off when they lose a hand of cards, thankfully. <laughs> but for some people still, certain behaviors, they look at that and they go, well, wait a minute, you know, you go to movies or you watch television or you go to dances or, you know... You smoke cigarettes or whatever. Now, I'm not a guy here that thinks that that's all great stuff, but, but how many people were raised in a, in a community where you believe that if someone smoked a cigarette, they were, they were a terrible, terrible sinner and deserved hell? I remember, I remember hearing things like that growing up in, in different deals, and I remember the first time I went to a church that had an ashtray out, outside. I was like, what is this about? <laughs> right? You know? But there are certain things that we do that maybe people consider non-Christian that really aren't in the Bible. But we hold it against people. And we demand that they conform to be just like us before we'll spread the gospel to them. How about cultural boundaries? I think that certainly we could spend a lot of time here, but I'm not going to because it would be just too varied. But there are certainly a lot of cultural boundaries that exist when it comes to spreading the gospel. We, we often say things like, church is the most the Sunday morning hour is the most segregated hour in America. And I think that probably holds true in this congregation. You know, and we have different cultures. And sometimes we think that, you know, people of certain cultures should, should participate in worship together, but separate. That can become a boundary. And how about this, this boundary? How about relational boundaries? I think this one is, is perhaps a, more of a, a bigger deal in, in my life anyways there's some people that we have relationships with that because of those relationships, we, we really don't want to preach the gospel to them. Maybe your in-laws or maybe your next-door neighbors, maybe your co-workers, and you think, well, it's inappropriate for me to share the gospel with these people, or if I share the gospel with them, that's really going to make a mess of Christmas or Thanksgiving because we come together and we just want to keep that stuff to ourselves. I remember I, I was new to, to, to ministry and, and in our traditional service. And uh, a, a guy had just become a Christian. And 
he was pretty radically saved by God. And no one gave him the memo that when you come to the traditional worship service, you don't wear cut-off sweats and a Flintstones t-shirt. And yet he did. And, I mean, and he wasn't like, oh, one of these kids. He was like 45 years old. He was a bus mechanic, right? And, and he came in, and at one point in the service, we opened it up for testimonies, which that was pretty radical to do in a traditional service. I mean, can you imagine that here? Maybe we do that. I bet Mike does. He's pretty radical, right? So, so here comes my friend walking up to the stage, and he stands up, and he gives this powerful testimony of how God has delivered him from sin and changed his life, and how amazing it was, and how much he loved Jesus, and how excited he was to be part of the church. And you know what he saw? This. So the next morning when I'm over at Hy-Vee drinking my 25-cent coffee, and it was worth every penny, I'm over there, and, and, and this, this older guy comes up to me. He's one of our founding members of the church. And he, I, was, I knew that because he told me every 10 minutes. <clears throat> so, so he comes up and he says, I just want to tell you, I have a big problem with what happened yesterday. And I was thinking, you know, what, did Lawrence Welk get canceled or something, or, or, or what happened? And he, he, said, he said, no, I just didn't appreciate <clears throat> what that man had to say. And I'm like, well, what, what didn't you like about what he had to say? And he's like, well, you know, I just believe, and others like me believe, that Religion is something that you're supposed to keep to yourself. Now, never mind that we're in church. That's what you're supposed to do at church, right? But I think his point was that that was just a little bit, you know, out of there for him, and he wouldn't participate in something like that. And, you know, I was probably 23, so my filter wasn't quite as strong as it is today. And I just looked at him, and I said, well, I think that's a lie from the devil. And, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, he never came back. He's a founding member. He sent a nice letter, right? You know about those nice letters, right? So his, his point was this. There's a boundary in your life just naturally when it comes to spreading the gospel. And, and the boundary is yourself and those that you already know love Jesus. And you don't talk about it without anybody else around that doesn't already know. And that's a boundary. And I think the mission of the gospel is to break through those boundaries, isn't it? To, to not look at people in terms of, of who's appropriate for me to share the gospel with and who's not appropriate for me to share the gospel with. The fact is this, whomever God has called you to preach the gospel with, you are to do so. But there's one more boundary that I want to just share with you today as we move into communion. And that is the boundary that I'm going to call fear or lack of faith. And that has to do with our judgments about who in our lives we believe is beyond God's grace. Who in our lives that we have given up on, that we have decided are unclean, that perhaps God hasn't decided is unclean or is working on? How many of you have people in your life that you've given up on, that you've decided right now there's no way they would hear about who Jesus is? There's no way they can change. They're too old. They're too young. They're too stubborn. Insert whatever you want to say. But the bottom line is this. You have decided that for them, there is no gospel. Now let me ask you this. How many of you wouldn't be here today if someone had given up on you? I know I probably wouldn't be. That's a boundary. Who in your life are you afraid to share the gospel with? 
Who in your life are you afraid that, that they won't respond, that it's too hard for them? Or, or what would they think of you? Will they think that you're nuts? Or will they think that you're too pushy? Or maybe, just maybe, if you share the gospel with them, are you going to be held to a higher standard of, of accountability? Because now they're going to know you're a Christian. See, maybe the, the, the fear that we have is, is we think, well, I, I can't share the gospel with someone. I'm not good enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I don't know enough Bible. Remember, people, this is about the Holy Spirit empowering us to share the gospel. This is not about our abilities. Remember who was talking. It was Peter. It's about what the Holy Spirit can do through us. And that's what made the early church such a powerful force in its mission. Or perhaps maybe the boundary goes a little bit farther and a little bit closer at the same time. You see, maybe in your heart, you're the person ultimately that you feel is unclean. Do you need to hear the voice of God say to you, I have made you clean? Have you left yourself out of the gospel because of a past failure or perhaps even a current struggle? See, the mission of the church is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and to let everybody know that the gospel transcends all of these boundaries. God's promise is for all types of people. Now what this means is simply this. There is nothing which you cannot control, your race, your nationality, your culture, or your past, that can separate you or anyone else from the gospel. But what this doesn't mean is this. You're fine just the way you are. So remember the gospel invitation is an invitation to be forgiven and transformed by the power of God. This is not just this cushy message of, of, well, God just loves everybody just as they are, and everyone's fine just how they are. That's not the message of the gospel. That's the message of, of our culturally relativistic, you know, spirituality, you know, whitewashed sort of just nothingness in our day. That you're just fine the way you are, and God accepts everything God loves. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is you can be forgiven, you can be cleansed, you can be transformed. And when a person has had that happen, then it doesn't matter what they've been involved in. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter if they wear shorts and a Flintstones t-shirt. It doesn't matter if they play cards. And it doesn't matter even if they smoke cigarettes. What matters is this. God has cleansed them. And we are not to deny them entrance into the community of faith. Notice that the next step after repentance was baptism, which we're going to celebrate at 945, which brings someone into our community. It's not enough just to be forgiven and sent away. See, some of us are good at the, we can preach the gospel and say, hey, you need to love Jesus. See you later. Now go do it over there with people just like you. Are we willing to, to preach the gospel and then include and then bring in and then help people along with that? So what's your role? What's my role? Simply this. To further this mission. To take this message. To spread the gospel and invite people into the gospel. All types of people, regardless of our fear, our insecurity, and the like. And most importantly, to never give up on anybody. Never assume someone would not want to hear the gospel. Never assume someone wouldn't want the same thing that has made such a difference to us. Folks, as we receive these elements this morning, 
we are a picture of this. We are a picture of boundaries being shattered because none of us in here that I'm aware of are Jewish. None of us in here that I'm aware of were part of this original community of this, you know, eldest and favorite child thing happening. We're all these outsiders. We're all people whom boundaries were crossed in order to be saved. So may we participate in that this morning. And may we look at this world this week with new eyes, with eyes that no longer see these barriers and boundaries, but with eyes that see open doors to invitation, with eyes that see mission, 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 all over all types of people. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, our heart's desire is to love you, Lord, and to be loved by you, to take this message in this new age that we have been given, in which we now live and spread this mission to the world, to our world, Lord. May we today, God, hear the message to us that if you have made us clean, Father, then we are clean. And if you desire to work in the hearts of people all around us, Lord, that we should never give up. May that be true for our church and for us. In Jesus' name, amen.